Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 256, Finance Friday edition, where we interview Charlotte from Charlotte and talk about funding a slow travel early retirement with short term rentals. I found fire just one year ago. And so I'm, you know, in the couple, there's always the one action taker. That's me. That's, I'm the person who learns all the things and takes all the steps. But because I'm such an action taker, I think I've gotten a little overexcited. And I've <laughs> made a lot of changes this past year. I think my husband's head is spinning. And so one of the main questions I have is, you know, now that you have our full picture, am I on the right path? Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me today is my explosive growth co-host, Scott Trench. All right. Well, happy to be here with my Dynamite co-host, Minnie Jensen. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for absolutely everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, or scale your Airbnb business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I am so excited to bring this episode to our listeners today because this is the story of a woman who discovered financial independence one year ago and has decided that she is going to retire in four years exactly. And she's able to do it through real estate investing and short-term rentals. And her story is so repeatable for somebody who is looking for a way to fund their early retirement. Yeah, I, I mean, this was a, this was a fun one. She has a very clear and specific goal that we can backdate into with four years from now. With good reasons for that, and and like and you know the the time, inclination, skill set, and ability to um, advance her Airbnb business. So really fun, really clear, um, and I think hopefully you know folks will take some. Some, some good nuggets from this. If you've been thinking about investing in Airbnbs, this is the greatest episode for you to listen to. Now let's make my lawyer happy by saying the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? 
Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. The easiest way to collect rent? RentApp. RentApp is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love RentApp for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. Charlotte lives in Charlotte and is in the middle of a huge transition. She's closing her travel business and recently moved to be closer to her daughter's school. She'd like to retire in four years from now exactly to slow travel with her husband, and she's wondering if she's calculating her fine number correctly. She's also looking for guidance on where to focus, and is she even doing all of this right? Charlotte, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. First, I have to ask you, why four years from now exactly? Thank you so much for having me. I am freaking thrilled. Okay, four <laughs> years from now exactly. My husband's birthday is next week. And four years from his birthday, he will be old enough to start getting a pension from work. And so it's not a full pension as it would be in X number of years, but we can start getting a pension. And that is part of our, obviously, fire budget. Okay. I have a really quick comment about the pensions because I am not super knowledgeable. But in two weeks from now, we are having Grumpus Maximus on episode 259, and he is a pension master. So listen to his episode. I mean, you have four years, but, you know, listen to it before you make the decision on when to take the the pension and how to take it. He had some really great advice for how to look at your different options, depending on what kind of pension it is. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a really great episode. Love it. And before we get into kind of learning more about your background, let's dive into that pension for a moment here. What are you expecting? What, is, what does your husband do? What, what, what are the details around that? He is the IT director for a public health authority in the county just next to us. He's been there for 20 years uh, next year. He's slow and steady, steady Eddie. He's just happy doing the same thing. And so <clears throat> as part of the public health system, he's a government employee here in North Carolina and will get a pension. So that pension will be about one third of our annual budgetary needs for fire. So we have one third of that taken care of starting on his 50th birthday, which is why it's four years from next week. Awesome. And what's the dollar amount of that that pension? Per month, it is, gosh, I think it's 33000 per year. And we are estimating about hundred k per year during fire. Awesome. And so th- that's going to, and does that... Um... Will that change with inflation? These are all probably questions for Grumpus in a few weeks. That's a question for Grumpus. Fair enough. Okay, so we've got we got three thousand dollars per month um, in in uh, uh, in income. 
um, hit, hitting in four years from now. In a government pension, which is a better type of pension, te- uh, typically more stable than the um, like a, a, just a company pension. Totally. Yep. And and we're in North Carolina, which is not you know certain other states that maybe have much more poorly funded uh, pension plans. So so okay, great. Um, so that's a huge asset. Love. Thank you for for uh, bringing that up front and center because um, that'll obviously impact things. Sure. Uh, let's go into the rest of it. What's, can we walk through your P&L, your um, income statement, where your money's coming in and where it's going, expenses? Absolutely. I have it already here. So we uh, are married and share all of our income, but for our purposes here, I thought it would be helpful to uh, split our income because all of our um, house bills, our living expenses, everything like that comes from his paycheck and my paycheck uh, from the Airbnb fluctuates. So that's a different story. So let's focus on him first. After taxes, 401k contributions, healthcare, all of that good stuff, he brings home $63.55 a month. And because we just moved, we moved to a house that costs about $500 more a month, unfortunately, than our last home. So we pay $19.20 mortgage. That includes HOA. Uh, groceries, y'all are going to balk at this, but it's between 1000 and 1200 We eat very healthy. Um, subscriptions, about 75 My husband goes to the gym, about 45 We use Mint Mobile, so it's like pennies, right? 30 bucks a month. Um, <clears throat> bills, like energy, gas, all of those things run about 100 250 we have a, you know, miscellaneous going out date night, whatever fund for like 300 to 500. And right now we're going through something with our family. So we have about a $1,200 a month medical expense. Uh, we hope that that won't be for too much longer, but that that's part of it right now. Okay. So great. That and so what is pretty that? much his, his income. So that's about 6,500 in total that we just sl- slotted there. Probably. Okay, great. And then um, walk us through your income. You said your husband's been steady Eddie, but um, you gave us a sneak peek that there's been some changes going on um, from your situation in the past uh, couple of months with that. And before I do that, I forgot to mention that out of his paycheck, also we save five fifty for my stepdaughter's college for five twenty nine per month, and we max out my IRA as well. So that's five hundred a month coming out of his paycheck. Um, my income is from our Airbnb. We have a cabin near Chimney Rock, North Carolina, and we bring in revenue-wise between 4500 and 6000 a month. But after all of our bills, cleaning, CapEx, all of those things, profit is between $2,3500, but it's been more toward 3000 That's only been running since February, March. So we don't have a full year of data yet, but that's what it's been so far. And from that, awesome. that's all savings. Go ahead. Well, great. We'll get into that in a little bit, but we'll we'll, we'll come back and, and discuss the asset value and debts um, against that. Because um, that, obviously that's going to be, I think there's going to be part of that to your story here. Um, 
if that, that sounds pretty good on the surface with that. Um, so what, what, um, what else is there any other, any other t- uh, income that you're bringing in or that you were bringing in or any background that we could get around, um, what you're doing? I used to own, and I still do technically, uh, a travel business, um, because of COVID that is shutting down. So prior to COVID, I mean, that's been what, 19 months now, but prior to COVID that was bringing in between one and 3000 a month. Um, since COVID it's brought in almost nothing. So I'm closing that down and I'm toying with, uh, some Airbnb consulting, short-term rental consulting. I've had a couple of clients so far. Um, so I wouldn't say that that's really brought in much money yet, but as I transition from travel to Airbnb, then, you know, there's some hope that that could bring in some more. What, what is Airbnb consulting? So if you are a new host, you have a property and you're thinking about uh, getting started with Airbnb, what you need to do, will it make you any money, the changes you need to make, how you need to furnish it, all of those different things. Uh, there's so much free information on the internet, but some people just really want their hand held. And so um, it's a 30 minute chat, one-on-one consultation, and then it can move into you know, uh, this week I'm going to a couple's home and I'm going to help them furnish. <clears throat> so it could be really anything people need that are new to hosting. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, great. Any other sources of income or expenses that we should be aware of before we move on to net worth? No. Great. Um, <laughs> well, let's walk through, uh, investments in your, at your, in, uh, assets and liabilities, uh, investments in your debts. Okay. We have a primary residence, which we just purchased, um, in September. We have a mortgage on that for three thirty seven, and Mint tells me it's worth three sixty two. Um, our our mortgage on that is two point seven five. Our rate. Uh, we have the same rate on our cabin mortgage, and we closed on that in January of this year. We owe one eighty six, and Mint tells me it's worth two forty four. We're about to put a tiny cabin on that property as well. So it'll be a double income producing property that will also carry a mortgage. Um, but that's not finalized yet. Great. Um, we have an emergency fund, which has about four months in it right now. As we build our Airbnb portfolio, we will be building the emergency fund as well. We have short-term rental savings fund of 75000 that's going to be for the next two properties. So the tiny cabin that we're already building and the next property, which I hope to have by next summer. Uh, In VTSAX, we have 95,000. And then retirement accounts, I have a Roth IRA of 63,000. A solo 401k, which I started with my travel business has 6,500 in it. So that's just gonna sit I'm not contributing anymore to that. My husband has a 401k, excuse me, 202,000, a Roth IRA, 34,000, a traditional IRA, 6,600, and then his pension. Okay. And so what would you kind of peg your net worth up at at with, after listing those assets? Mint says it's around four to 500. Okay. So I trust that, I suppose. Absolutely. And then with, with a pension, you know, and and this is where I think Grumpus will be much more helpful than me, but I, I would, you know, say, okay, if we're going to use the 4% rule on that kind of stuff, you could maybe say 
that pension at 33,000 is worth 33 times 25, um, which would be an incremental $825,000 um, in net worth. That would be one way to potentially think about the pension um, as an asset on, on, on top of some of those types, those things. Um, obviously the pension is not an asset yet because you need to wait four more years, but something to think about with that. Um, great. Um, anything else we should know about from a debts and investment standpoint? No, I mean, we don't have any more, any more debt. Uh, we, we spend all of the profit from the Airbnb on, um, various investments, savings. Um, so that, that's pretty much the whole story. And that's the whole situation. What? What's next? Do we want to do it? it, What I'm sensing based on this is you're going to go in and build more from your Airbnb business. And that's the, and that, and that's the game plan here. And it seems like that's a pretty obvious and, 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 and likely candidate for the discussion, but is there another direction you want to go first? You want to dive into the, into that topic? There are two main questions that I have, and we can start with Airbnb is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, but the, the biggest, well, twofold, I found fire just one year ago. And so I'm, you know, in the couple, there's always the one action taker. That's me. That's I'm the person who learns all the things and takes all the steps. But because I'm such an action taker, I think I've gotten a little overexcited and I've (laughs) made a lot of changes this past year. I think my husband's head is spinning. And so one of the main questions I have is, you know, now that you have our full picture, am I on the right path and also separate from that because we have this retirement situation that's kind of in stages which is he retires at 50 he can't access retirement accounts for 10 years i'm six years younger so it's going to be another six years beyond that before i can how do you figure out a safe fire number with like a multi-stage retirement situation. So, so Airbnb and those two questions, if we could cover those things, that would be fabulous. Let's start on number. Well, let's start with the first one uh, with that. Start on number one. Uh, what can you give us a, a picture of, of how the last year has been or a highlight of your money story, maybe with a snapshot of 18 months ago or a year ago and leading up to the present and what you've done. Yes. So, Prior to finding out about fire, I was always very, you know, quote unquote, good with money, which just means I was super frugal and would never go into debt. Um, That wasn't true of my husband, although by the time I met him, he had cleaned all of that up. Um, So we come from different places. Money mindset wise, we come from very similar places, um, you know, from money values, I suppose. And so prior to finding out about fire, my main goal was once his daughter graduates, which is in two and a half years, we're going to sell everything and he's going to take a sabbatical and we're going to go travel for a year because travel is, an, is, is the best thing. It's my number one thing I love to do. And, and, you know, we were going to do that. And we kept butting heads because, uh, he was thinking of the practicalities of doing that, of leaving his job that he's been at for over 20 years and I just wanted to travel and, and the two didn't jive. And so I found out about fire, uh, from Farnoosh Tarabi's podcast. So money, she was interviewing the folks from our rich journey, Amon and Christina. Amazing. And I was like, this is how we do it. This is how we 
go and travel. And so it finally gave us a common language. You know, once he found out about it, I explained it to him. He was like, this is how we make this happen. And we don't have to go for just a year. We can go forever and ever and ever. So all that being said, when we found out about fire, we were not tracking expenses, spending whatever, you know, we were saving a little bit, but not really. I think we had, uh, we started off with 23,000 in VTSAX and now we're almost to a hundred. Like we've just been grinding this past year, changing all of our bills, checking out Mint Mobile, different house insurance, like all the changes that people who get really into it make. And now here we are about to build on our Airbnb business and really be able to put a ton more into VTSAX. And I just want to know that I'm doing it right. <laughs> well, I, I, I love it. And I think that I'm, I'm smiling because you're clearly doing it right. I mean, with, with this, I don't think you, you could say you're not doing it, things correctly with this. You've got command of your expenses. You've got, you spend less than, than you earn. You've got an investment approach that seems reasonably well organized with all this kind of stuff. You've got a winning formula, at least with the first Airbnb, um, you know, can I, 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 you have to think how can I sustain that or what can I, what can scale with that? Um, but like, there's a lot, I think that is going really well here with that. Um, you know, I, I, and I think the biggest question mark again, is this, is this pension and how that relates into the plan and what can you create in the next four years, um, from a, a wealth building standpoint. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it looks like you're doing a lot of things really, really well here. And, um, when you say you're a bit overexcited is that it, it's not, it doesn't see, it, it seems like you got a, a really healthy budget here and that's not like, Oh, I've cut back everything and now spend $1,500 a month. And we live like misers with that. It doesn't seem like that's happened. It seems like we have just a pretty clean balance sheet and really good command of your income and expenses with that. I appreciate that. If it were up to me, we would be living like misers, but, um, I'm part of a duo. So there's compromise that needs to be had. <laughs> okay. I have some questions. Sure. I have some questions. So it sounds like in the beginning of your story, maybe he wasn't so much on board with it. Is he more on board with it now? Is he excited about it? Or is he still having a hard time coming to the realization that he's going to stop working? He wasn't having a hard time with fire. He was having a hard time with, let's just leave and take a sabbatical and hopefully my job will be there when I get back. Before we had fire, before we had that common language, he was struggling. Now that we have the common language and we have a path, he's on board and he's excited. In fact, we had a conversation this weekend about like what that first year might look like and dreaming big and what activities we're going to want to do. And so I think honestly, when it comes to it and it's time for him to leave, it's going to be a little hard, but I also think if we have a plan, not only financially, but like now we get to go do really awesome things. Uh, so you're, you know, he says he's on board. You are four years out and Fritz from retirement manifesto has a kind of a, a plan in place for five years out where, you know, when you're five years out, you start with this and you, you start thinking about what of the things you want to do. And four years out, you're, you know, starting to plan your money and three years out. And I can't cool. remember all of the steps, but um, I'm going to send you to our episode with him, which is episode 125. Okay, and great. 
that's a great, it's a, he's got a book. He has like a series of uh, posts on his website, uh, which is either Retirement Manifesto or The Retirement Manifesto. I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, that is a great episode to listen to, to start crafting your plan because you do have four years. You do have time to do this. And side note, while you, since you want to travel so much, what's your favorite airline? What's your favorite hotel? Get credit cards for both of those uh companies and start earning travel points for the next four years. Every expense you have, throw it on a card. And then all of a sudden you have 47 free nights at a hotel. And that makes it easier to jump into fire when you're not paying for a place to sleep for, you know, three months or whatever, Totally, Um, which is not 47 days, but (laughs) (laughs) approximately. Approximately. (laughs) Um, I I think that's great advice with planning, planning those things out with that. While you're doing that, that's going to bring in question number two, which is what is the safe number for this type of the, the situation? And the way that your situation is set up, I don't think you're going to be able to think about it in terms of the the 4% rule or some of these other rules of thumb with that, because you're just not going to amass a pile of one to $1.5 million in a stock bond portfolio inside of four years that you can then begin withdrawing if that's your goal. So you're going to have to uh, say, okay, I'm going to add up each component of my portfolio. I'm going to say my stock and bond portfolio or whatever, you know, however I'm going to invest that inside those 401ks, that is worth 400 grand in four years, right? Making that up. Um, and a, a 4% rule on that is 16 grand. So I've got a small slice of my needs uh, mapped out from that component. My Airbnb portfolio is going to contribute this much. My uh, the pension is going to contribute this much. And if there's another asset or a side business that we're going to put in there, that's going to contribute this much. The The difference, um, if there is any, between your desired number and what you can safely conservatively predict from those assets, those assets would be, need to be made up with part-time work um, or some sort of consulting or, or those types of things with that. So the goal, I think, is how do you make that number a zero uh, or as close to zero as possible with that at this point a few years out? And and feel really comfortable with that situation. Is that right? Right, exactly. And that 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 comes down to you're going to get sophisticated about how you analyze that pension and how you analyze your rental properties with that. And don't ignore that that pension one. You know, think about ask ask yourself those questions like, does it increase with inflation over the next ten, twenty, thirty years with that, or is it a static amount? How well funded is it? Is there a 85% chance that it stays around a 95 or 100% chance with that? Or is it a 50% chance? What Can I actually calculate those odds with the, the mind of a skeptic on those types of things? That that would be helpful in, I think, assessing the, the probability of that, that pension. And then same thing for the Airbnbs. Right now, I think it's going to be the best time to be in the Airbnb business maybe ever uh, with this. Uh, so is that going to be the case in three, four, five years um, if you're making killer profits like $3,000 a month? on 30,000 uh in equity. I mean that's that's a huge. It's 100% annualized ROI from a cash flow perspective on your on your cash down payment. That's not going to last forever, but it could it could dwindle to where it's a 25% annualized ROI over the next couple of years or something like that. So those are those are questions to begin poking around with um to beat up your plan, but I I I don't see why you're not in a reasonable position. You don't have a realistic shot at achieving your goal inside of 4 years or getting very close to it. Cool. Thank you. The the plan as it stands now is to make up the rest of that 
annual income with Airbnbs. And so I'm, I'm hoping to have five total by the time that we leave. And that plus the pension just pumps money to us um, and makes up, you know, helps us reach fire. And between now and then all of that income is just getting funneled into VTSAX. So um, it's like a win-win. So I, I have a couple of comments. I want to share some numbers that I ran really quickly. Uh, you said your fine number is approximately $100,000 a year. So that is divided by 12. That's about $83.50 a month. So your Airbnb is bringing in currently $3,000 a month. Now you're left with finding $53.50 a month. And you said his pension is $30,000 annually, approximately. Yes. So that'll yes. be $3,000 a month right there. So now we're at $23.50. And this is all, all these numbers are with your one Airbnb. So if you have four more units, I can't see how, unless we get another global pandemic and everything gets shut down again, I can't see how your monthly needs aren't going to be met. Um, Your numbers sound like you are taking care of the property now. Are you managing it? And you're, uh, are you doing the cleaning or are you outsourcing the cleaning? Outsource it. It's two hours away. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so you're not totally hands-on. When you're traveling, there's, we were talking to uh, Millennial Revolution, Bryce and Christy, way back on episode 55 and 55 and a half. And one of the tips that they had was, hey, we're watching the market. We've retired. We're pulling money out of our stock market or out of our stocks and, and retirement funds. And we're watching what the market's doing. If it hits a sudden drop, we're gonna go travel to cheap places like the Far East or you know, places where it doesn't cost them a lot of money to live as opposed to, you know, coming to America where we've also got the very expensive healthcare and they can do travel healthcare outside of America. Um, You know, going to London is going to be a more expensive city than, you know, Bangladesh. So, and I don't, I actually am showing my ignorance. I don't know if Bangladesh is a city or a country (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a terrible person. You're not a terrible person. It's okay. But- these cheaper places are something to think about. Maybe this hundred thousand because your cabin needs a new roof. Ooh, now we need to kind of scale back a little bit. So this year we're going to travel slowly through the places that aren't that expensive. Totally. Yeah. Geographic arbitrage. I'm all about it. And yep. I've, I've kind of mapped out the higher cost of living places and the lower cost of living places. Um, where I'm getting that four more units number from is we will hire a property management company for all of our Airbnbs when we leave. They take 25%. And so if you take the lowest amount we've made, which is 2000 profit a month, and you take 25% off that 1500 it's like, I, I, I'm not a conservative person, but I'm a conservative fis- fiscal conservative, right? I, I want to know that my numbers are safe. They're, they're locked in. And so do I expect to make more than that while we're gone? I do, but I, I don't want to pull the plug on my husband's, <clears throat> excuse me, steady Eddie job until we're like locked in. Well, I, I guess I guess where I'm from from my seat, I don't understand. You know, it, it seems pretty clear. Like the next four years, it's how much, how big of an Airbnb business can you build? 
right? To build a very large margin of safety. How can, how, how can you build a financial fortress with this Airbnb business that is scalable, that you're in command of, that you feel really confident out and that greatly exceeds this number? You, you, you will finish out that the rest of this with one incremental Airbnb purchase that's identical to what you've got. And you've got the cash for that right now. And you just told me you're going to build one and you have four years left on top of that where you got to do something. You might as well uh, expand the the financial position with this and buy a handful more uh, if you can with 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 reasonable uh, a reasonably conservative down payment and all that other kind of stuff um, with this. So let's walk through the current Airbnb business and just this first property. What do you expect to change? How much are you going to spend? Who's managing the process? And what's going to happen when you finish putting on the second unit on this first property? What's going to change as far as income? Yes. Okay. Um, I expect it to double. Um, it's a pretty similar property in a lot of ways. It's a bit smaller, but it's the way that I run my Airbnbs is super high quality. Like you're going to want to come to my Airbnb, even if you're not trying to come to that area, the Airbnb itself attracts you. Um, the tiny cabin is going to be the same way. It's super cute. And so we expect to double our income, um, with the mortgage. Give us an Mm -hmm. overview of the business. Where, where are you located with this? You said it earlier, but it's like, what is the attraction of the area that the Airbnb is in, in the first place? And then let's go into your operating model for sure. Great question. Uh, the Airbnb is located in the mountains of Western North Carolina, so most people listening who are not from North Carolina have heard of Asheville and the Biltmore House. Um, we are about 45 minutes from there. So that's not the main attraction, but we're 10 minutes from a place called Chimney Rock State State Park um, and Lake Lure, which is where Dirty Dancing was filmed. Um, those are both within 10 or 15 minutes of us. So it's really a popular place year round. Lots of hiking, waterfalls lake in the summer. Um, and we're 20 minutes South of black mountain, which is like a hipster beer centric, cool place. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. And then, and then, so you have a, a, a cabin out there and it's got enough land to build a second property on it. We just talked to the financials that you're going to bring in three, 2000 to 3000 a month in profit from that right now. What, what is, how much is the, the second home construction going to cost you? Um, and, and what's that, what's, and and it sounds like you just said it's going to double, double income essentially. So it's actually a tiny cabin that's being built off site. It's, uh, it's a modular home is what it's billed as, but it's a tiny cabin. Um, it's under 400 square feet and that will be brought in to the property. The mortgage on that includes the septic and the well and the driveway and everything else is 125,000. But because it's a modular and because it's an investment property, it's a really stinky mortgage. It's 10 years at 6.5%. Stinky. So what we're going to do is work our butts off to pay that off as quickly as possible. Try to get that paid off before we leave uh, in four years. And and is it going to go on your current property? Is it going to be in sight line to the first one or is it, is it? It's on the property. It will not be in sight line unless you like walk down the driveway and really crane your neck. But but it's still total privacy for both properties. Okay, so it sounds it sounds like a great a great thing there. And have you talked to 
and you can't get you can't wrap that new property into the overall mortgage on the lot or anything like that. You can't get a, a, a two unit or anything like that. Or how, walk us through why you had to get a different type of financing for that. I don't know. I assumed this was the only thing I could do. I believe modular properties are considered vehicles because they can drive away. They're not considered actual real property. It's not a house. So um, that could change if it goes on a permanent foundation. It will. I would talk to... In North Carolina, it is not considered a vehicle. And I only know that because we tried to buy a, a tiny house on wheels and no one would finance us because it's considered an RV. This type of modular will be on a permanent foundation. And so it will appreciate. It won't depreciate. And you can get just a a normal mortgage for it. Well, that sounds like a good step here. (laughs) Uh, uh, Next step is to go and and make a list of potential lenders and call them up and do some more discovery work on this. Because if you can refinance out of the that loan into a 30-year fixed that wraps both the properties into one mortgage or something similar, maybe it's a conventional loan. Maybe it's what we call alternative to conventional with a, a lender that's going to do an asset, you know, 30-year fixed mortgage. But I, I think some research there uh, could be worth a lot. Uh, even if there's a 50% chance that there actually is a product that's better, that's still really valuable, even if even if there isn't one. Yeah. And North Carolina lenders, if you have an idea that she can use to finance this property in a better way than 10% at 6.5%, uh, email me, Mindy at biggerpockets.com, and I will pass your information along to Charlotte because this it sounds like there's got to be a better way to to finance this. But again, I'm not a lender, so what do I know? Thank you so much. Yeah, I would love I would love any information around that. And if we need to roll that into the current mortgage on the property, then that's fabulous. Yeah. Um, regarding this lot, you said it's big enough to do a tiny home in addition to the existing cabin. Is it big enough to do other tiny homes? No. Okay. No, not maintaining the integrity of the the feeling of privacy. It's a very weird shaped lot. It's almost two acres, but it, it's no, no. With this being, I'm just throwing this out there, but with this being 400 square feet, maybe there's an opportunity to do two right next to each other. Same septic system. Maybe you go a little bit bigger with the septic and it's for people who want to go on vacation together, but also don't want to be like in the same 400 the square same foot spot. space. Like I'd love to go on vacation with Scott, but I'm not staying in a 400 square foot house with him. <laughs> <laughs> and our spouses would also go with us. I'm not just going on vacation yeah. with Scott. That's <laughs> <sounded> weird. <laughs> I was staying in the main house. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a cool idea. I like that. There might be room in that little spot to do two of them. I'd have to see. So, and I don't well, know if there's a market there, but like if people are already traveling there with their friends. There's a for sure market and, and we're meeting with our general contractor on Monday at the space. So I could ask him that for sure. Yeah. Throw that out there. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to nerd wallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before nerd wallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.
As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Pretty good episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. Setup is straightforward for renters. Landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with a digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? Rent app, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. I had a question about your uh, company that is closing down. Are there any opportunities for taking the losses against your, any losses from the travel company against current income? Um, clearly, I'm not a CPA because I am mangling this question, but do you have any losses? And if so, you should talk to a CPA about like how you can adjust that. Okay, well, yay that you don't have any losses. That's always better to not lose money than to lose money. The, the blessing of that company was that the, the overhead was almost nothing. So even through a pandemic, I could, I could stay in the clear. Um, and one other thing I wanted to, I was taking notes as you were telling your story. Is there any opportunity for your husband to do any sort of consulting while you guys are traveling? And I'm not talking like a three month, you know, 90 hour a week consulting job, like a, I, I'm available for emails. I'll check them on Mondays kind of consulting where 20 years of knowledge in the public, I'm yeah, in the public sector is going to be worth so much more to the employer than trying to find somebody to take his place or, you know, 20 years of knowledge. And then somebody new comes in and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And well, here's Bob, he can tell you. So um, one of the things that my husband had a really hard time going from full-time to retired. So he stepped down to part-time and he was a little nervous about asking. And then once he did, his boss was like, sure, whatever, I don't care. So then he stepped down to part-time and then he was able to walk away completely. And that helped him kind of wrap his mind around leaving employment. So 
throwing out there, and maybe like four years out isn't the right time to talk about potential consulting opportunities with your boss, but you know, maybe a year out or six months out, hey, I'm thinking about retiring at the end of the year and I'd like to continue. Are there any consulting opportunities? Totally. And I think he would love that for sure. He he loves his job. I can't imagine it, but he he loves it. So, <laughs> so go, go, going back to the Airbnb B stuff here, what is how, how much cash do you need to bring to place this second home, the mobile or the the, the manufactured house onto the lot? Twenty percent. So about 25000 Okay. And you have $75,000 saved up exclusively for the purpose of purchasing more real estate. It's that, That's in addition to your emergency fund. Are you also using that 75000 as an operating reserve for the Airbnb business? Or is that... No. Um, the goal with that money is, you know, the, the next Airbnb, the tiny cabin, plus furnishings, plus the next down payment, plus furnishings. Um, and the emergency fund is a catch-all emergency fund. So including okay. anything that could happen with Airbnbs. Okay, great. So, so you have 75,000 specifically for the purpose of purchasing more Airbnb real estate. Yes. And you are currently generating $3,000 a month on average from your property. That's, that's net getting contributed to that account. And in how, how, what, at what time do you expect this property to be finished being installed and, and generating revenue? Spring. Spring. What do you have a, a specific date or is that kind of shit? April? No, we're, we're in the process of working with the County right now to get it perked and all of those things. So I've put a down payment of 8,500 that will go to that 25,000 to get in the builder's queue because they're so booked out. Um, but a lot depends on what the county comes back and says this next month. Um, so I have no idea. I'm hoping by April. Okay, great. And then what? Um, so so okay. So we have April. I I, I think so. By April, you will have piled up another fifteen to twenty grand into this account um, from your Airbnb business with this. So you'll be sitting at 85 or whatever with that. Is that right? No, all, all of our profit goes into, uh, my husband's Roth IRA, VTSAX and personal savings, which we both keep so that we can do our own hobbies. So we're not pumping our profit back into Airbnb. That okay. 75,000 came from the sale of our primary home two months ago. Okay. So, okay. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean we can't save it for that. So I'd love to hear the rest of your thought. Let, let me think about this. You, what what would the next property like? Let, let's recreate your first purchase. Can, can, uh, this first, how long have you owned this this current Airbnb? Since January. Can you buy a similar property right now in the same area? Do you want to? We definitely want to because we have three mortgages going right now, including the modular that's coming up. We've hit our limit on debt to income to qualify for another mortgage. So we have to wait mm. until we file our taxes for 2021. So that includes this year's Airbnb income so that we can get another mortgage. Okay. But we're already at the end of the year. Yes. You can file your taxes like Jan as soon as you can in January to start the process. So I don't think there's a huge lag there, I would definitely be looking for um, more properties 
in the area because that's your goal is to own more properties there. I'm assuming you're working with an agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, continue seeing properties and um, uh, continue seeing them and, and you know running the numbers. And if something makes sense, start looking for a portfolio lender. There are people, there are lenders out there. These are like local banks, like uh, credit unions and things like that that will lend on the property and keep it within their portfolio. And it might be a, a higher interest rate, but if you're able to get this property and start generating this income, then you can refinance it down the road. Or maybe they will look at your portfolio that you have currently and say, oh, you've got your primary mortgage and this this cabin mortgage. Let's do a mortgage on this new property and wrap it in with this uh the new cabin that's being built, the tiny cabin, Um, you know, they might offer something when they keep it in their portfolio, they have the ability to kind of do whatever they want. They're not trying to sell it on the open market to uh, Fannie Mae, so they don't have to follow the Fannie Mae guidelines. So your debt to income may not matter so much. Uh, Another thing to do is to start um, a relationship with a local bank that does these portfolio loans. When you're primary checking, your credit cards, your savings accounts, when all of your stuff is there with them or some of your stuff is there with them, it shows that you're interested in having a relationship with this business um, as opposed to just reaching out and saying, hey, can you give me this loan that nobody else will give me? Uh, nope, we're going to add our names to the list of people that aren't going to lend you money either. So, you know, having a relationship is can be really helpful in something like this, Some you know, off the wall. Off the wall isn't the right word unusual. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Mindy on this. So you're, you're the, the, the financing piece here. Let's talk about your, your bad mortgage, a 10-year balloon at 6.5% interest, right? I mean, that's a great financing relative to the, the return of the investment. It's not great financing relative to what's market or what I think you can get if you do some more shopping, um, potentially, hopefully, uh, if you're able to get a, a 30-year fixed loan. But who cares if you're paying 5 or 6% interest in the context of this? Um, with that, if that's what you need, you're, you're saying, you're, you're saying, Hey, there are cabins out there that I can buy for $250,000. I can put down five to 15% on these as a, um, second home or as a, uh, uh, as that to get, to get started with this kind of stuff, let's call it 15% down, um, as an investment for a single family with this. And it's going to generate three grand a month. That means if you bring 50 K or I'm doing I'm doing horrible mental math here. Let's call it thirty. If I bring thirty thousand dollars down and I generate three grand a month in in that, that's that's a hundred percent annualized return. It's more than a hundred percent annualized return because I got you know I'm making thirty six thousand on a thirty thousand dollar down payment with that. I mean, if if what you're saying is like that's the reality of this of this local market. Oh, and by the way, I can bring on a manufactured house for another twenty five k and then double that again. Um, I mean that that's that's ridiculous math. And I think that you should not be held back by the, the, the lenders. I don't think you should go so far that you get in over your skis um, with, with a lot of this stuff. But I think, you know, why, why wait until April to, to do the next one? This is a, you know, you, you are, this, this is your full-time job essentially with this, right? Is to, to build this business, right? If you apply yourself and put, and put your full attention to that, and those numbers are directionally true, you might have to do a lot of work personally for the first couple of months, but I don't see why you couldn't be coming out of middle of next year with both this manufactured home on the lot operationalized and producing income 
and a second property. And then from there, I think you're going to pop up and say, either this is working really well and it's time to expand dramatically from here or not. Because I mean, this is a hundred percent annualized ROI if the property doesn't appreciate at all. Yeah. <laughs> is what you're, what you're saying from, from that. So I, I don't see why I, I agree with that, that with Mindy saying, don't worry about the next conventional loan with this kind of stuff. Go look for other types of financing on this particular one. And the reason why I think that that's appropriate for, for potentially in your situation is because you are essentially distraction free from building an Airbnb business with this. You're not doing it on the side while working a full-time job. You're not doing all this other stuff. Your business is literally, your side business beyond this is literally consulting other people on how to set up their Airbnbs um, with this. And so I think that that's a, I think Wendy's right. Um, you, you, you might, again, you don't want to go so far that you're putting yourself into a position that you can't sustain if things don't go well, but I don't think you need to wait for the conventional loan on this next property. I appreciate that because that was definitely a block that was getting in my way because I was thinking, right, it's November. I can wait four more months until my taxes come back. Right. And I send my taxes off to the CPA as soon as I can end of January. And then they come back. I can wait those, those few months in order to get, you know, fingers crossed a similar kind of rate to the other ones. I mean, they're, there are short-term rental lenders who will lend based on what you're currently making on your Airbnbs, not on your debt to income, but the rate is, is higher. It's in the fours. And so I really wanted to avoid that. And it sounds like that was a block. You're going to arbitrage a 30, a hundred percent annualized ROI for a 4% interest rate. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I, that's I, my frugality. I, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I, I, there's, I mean, that, but the, yeah, that, but I mean, I mean, that, that's good math there. If, if you believe in the numbers that you're telling us with this kind of stuff and the prospects and that, um, I don't, I don't think you can afford to wait for a 3% mortgage when a 4% mortgage is going to get you in six months to a year earlier. I mean, this business is going to, is either going to work really well or it's not. And it's not going to be because of the 3% versus the 4% mortgage rate. Totally. On the property. I, totally, I, in yeah. my opinion. And I would suggest running the numbers on a mortgage calculator. Sometimes it can seem like your interest rate is 2.75%. Why would I pay four whole percent when I can only pay 2.75? But 2.75 might not come around again. If you run the numbers, you'll see the difference is really not that much. Um, another unconventional way to fund, I am going to plant a seed. This is definitely a research opportunity. I only know enough to be dangerous. But on episode 151, Tony Robinson, the co-host of the Real Estate Rookie podcast, casually mentioned that he does margin loans. He borrows against his stock portfolio. And I was like, wait, what? I've never heard of this. So I, that's so scary. It, well, yeah. So they don't, I mean, if you have a hundred thousand dollars stock portfolio, they're not lending you a hundred thousand dollars. They're probably going to lend you like 35 or 50, but that's 35 or 50 that you didn't have before. And the issue is when the stocks start to go down, if the stocks start to go down, they may sell to cover your costs. I'm getting quotes at 1% for my margin loans. And I'm like, really? I can borrow money at 1%? That seems so wild. free. Yeah. yeah, that's so wild. So definitely do research on this. If you're contemplating this, there definitely are risks. If the stock goes down, they could sell your stock. And then 
you wanted to own it and now you don't. So that's another, it's much more risky than getting a portfolio loan. But if it's a short-term loan, if you are, you know, able to, once you season it for six months, then you can get a regular loan, you know, that could be worth it. You know, again, weigh all of your options and weigh the risks and the, the, you know, can you sleep at night? If you bring down 15 to 25% on this property, on the, on the next purchase, there is no way in my mind that you're not going to be able to find somebody to lend on that with a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. It may not be a conventional lender. It may be a 4.5% interest rate. It may be even a little north of that. But that's going to be immaterial to your to the, to the return profile of this. And with a little bit, a few more years and a little bit more scale, that financing problem will, I think, go away with that. And you can mitigate that risk by being very hands-on in your investment over the next year or two to make sure that you get all those systems up there. You said it's a two hour drive. Yep. You can go, Easy. You, you, you could go there every day, uh, two hours there, two hours back. And that's your work day for a month. If you needed to, <laughs> to set things up, right? Like, I'm not saying you should or, or have to with that, but like you, you, that, that's, that's a work day, right? With, with that, you, you can like, there's ways, there's ways you can mitigate the risk of the slightly higher cost of borrowing that you might have on this property. Um, to, to finance it with an alternative to a conventional loan with that. And, and you should be able to get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage uh, that amortizes yeah. over 30 years, no, not balloons or interest only or anything like that. No, no. I want to jump in here and just say, Scott said 15 to 20% down. I think investment properties start at 20 to 25% down. So I just want to, I want to correct you, Scott. I think this would 15. be a vacation, a vacation home mortgage. Oh, do you but, have a vacation home mortgage already? I have one. Yes. Can you can you get more than one? I thought yes. you were limited to one. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then a vacation mortgage down payment is like ten or fifteen percent. Ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think oh. I think that um, for single family investment properties, you can put down fifteen percent. That's where I was getting that number. But if you're going to use a portfolio lender, that is not going to give you a. Um, a 15% down option with a conventional lender, for example, they might require 25%. So I would conservatively plan on bringing 25% down for the property, like Mindy said, and stop using the um, 15% number that I've been throwing out um, for, for a single family investment with that. If you can get a second family or vacation home loan from a conventional lender, that's great. But we just, we're, I think we we're discussing, don't let that hold you back and, and think about these other these other options with that. Now, that also goes to the plan that we just, or the question that you had earlier, which is, should the profits be going into my down payment fund or should they be going to my Roth IRA and those types of things? Well, I think we answered the question there. If you honestly believe that you can get 100% annualized cash on cash return from a profit perspective and your downside is like a 60% um, uh, uh, cash on cash ROI, then like, no, like the, uh, the Roth doesn't make sense compared to the business that you're that you're about to build and run. Um, if if you believe that those, so I, I think you would I think you should run those. But say like, do I believe these numbers and like stare at them and bring and ask your husband as well. But like if 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 you do after that, then I don't see why. I mean, you have scarce you have scarce resources. You can't fund everything at all at once with all of that. But why wouldn't you put it into something that could generate an incremental three grand a month? Fear. I mean, fear of getting to four years and not having enough in 
in Vanguard and various retirement accounts and wanting, I'm wanting to balance all of it so that we're putting money everywhere where it needs to go. Um, but I, I hear you. But if this goes well, then you're going to like your, your bigger fear should be, Hey, am I, am I going to like my current path is, is maybe going to get me there or pretty close to it with that, um, with, with some gap, two of these and I'm done. Yep. Well, let's look at your worst case. Your worst case scenario was um, $2,000 a month. So that's actually $1,500. And then you want to have five of these. So $1,500 times five is $7,500. And you need $8,350 to fund your lifestyle. And that's not even including your husband's pension. And, you know, you're kind of like you're there and you still need to, you know, consider other things like taxes and uh, health insurance and things like that. But if he's a government employee, do you get government health insurance? He gets government insurance for the rest of his life. Um, we, I know (laughs) we need to figure out what we're going to do for me and for his daughter, because of course she can stay on until she's 26. She's 15 now. Well, and you know, frankly, when she's 26, she can start to foot that bill herself. So we really only have to think about you which sounds so snotty. I don't mean it like that, but like at some point you have to, they have I to baby. Totally I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that's a money date topic with that. So we, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of hard for the three of us to, to, to talk through with that. But I, I think that that's a, yeah. Well, well, if you want to, if you want to have enough left over to cover the health insurance, guess what? The answer get another is, one. Yeah. Get another Airbnb <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with, with this stuff, or at least that's the present you know, that, that, that's what the answer is at present with this. Right. And so like, I, I, I think, I think the strategy is, is very clear. I think that the big takeaway, um, from a, a planning st- standpoint, or hopefully the one that I encourage you is, is if you believe that that is, you're going to get a hundred percent cash on cash ROI from one of these properties or somewhere in the ballpark north of 50% cash on cash with these things, then the financing rate is not going to change that fundamentally, right? I mean, it could if the interest rate gets, starts soaring, but it's not going to move it into a place that I think is is uh, is crazy um, with, with a lot of that. And you, your business, your full time efforts can go towards building out this business, but like you need you need, and you need the access to that cash and the access to the financing in order to make a move. Otherwise, you're just going to be waiting around until spring to make the next move happen with this. And that four years of planning looks a lot easier if you're entering in the summer of next year with two Airbnbs that are doing that are operating pretty nicely, and you're and you're using that as an engine to pile up a lot more cash for the next purchase. You get you get this second unit on your first property and buy a second unit, and each of those is producing two three thousand dollars a month. You're self managing or whatever, and that's nine grand a month. That's that's a that's a hundred and eight hundred and eight thousand dollars um per year in cash that you're gonna be generating, which you can begin snowballing your 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 business here with that. And kicking that back to to do plenty of Roth contributions if that's what you want. That's one month you fund your Roth. So I mean that that's 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 Isn't that crazy. Is that is that I mean that, that's a best case scenario, but that is not absurd given the context you just gave us. No, it's not absurd. It's just wild to hear. I used to be a public school teacher in North Carolina, which is like the 48th worst for teacher pay. So to hear, I mean, I am making off of one cabin, basically what I brought home from teaching. And I, 
I'm here at home, not <laughs> having to deal with it. So the numbers are real and they make total sense to me and I know them, but hearing them from someone else, um, is, is wild. So, um, now I just have to get my husband on board with these higher interest rates and moving forward right now. Shouldn't be you can always refinance, uh, potentially in the future with that, but yeah, I think. Yeah. With the higher number, the higher interest rates, it can seem when you just look at the number, it can seem really daunting, but run the, the mortgage calculations yeah. and, and see the difference. I mean, it's like 20 bucks. I mean, it's not, but I didn't run them, but it's, it's like, it's really low. It's, you know, if we pay an extra hundred dollars a month, we can generate another $2,000 a month. That's, I will pay you a hundred dollars a month for you to give me $2,000 a month all day long. Got it. In fact, Scott, I will give you $100 a month right now. One time offer. If you will send me $2,000 a month back. No. Do it. Uh. <laughs> Let me open we a bank first. Then, 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 then we'll <laughs> then we'll start doing that. Yeah. Well, okay. great. Um, so, Charlotte, has this answered some of your questions? Do you feel like there's other areas that we need to talk talk about today? It has not only answered my questions; it has broadened my mind, and I I needed that because I I've been in these numbers for for a long time, and so I really appreciate that. Um, no, I don't. I don't have any further questions. It's it's time to time to get to work and find a lender. So Mindy, whoever emails you, I'm so grateful for you putting that call out there. I would love to speak to them for sure. Yeah. And please email me Mindy at biggerpockets.com. If you have ideas for what she can do, if you are a lender in that area and have actual portfolio loans or other options for her, uh, ping me and I will pass it along. I just want to point out that if you decide to buy another property and refinance out of this debt, that your blended interest rate is probably going to be lower than what you're about to head into the spring with anyways, <laughs> because you're going to get a six and a half percent interest on this 125K. So it was like, okay, well, I mean, okay, you just put it all, the whole portfolio against a 5% interest mortgage loan, you know, and that's probably at the higher end of that range that you'd, you'd go out and find when you go shopping for the, for these. That's that's an overall lower interest rate or about the same anyways with it, probably lower risk. And I don't know. So for someone who knows nothing about portfolio investing mortgages, where would I go to find good info on that? Because I know nothing about that. Ooh, that is a really good question. I will look for some articles on Bigger Pockets. And if you are listening to this show, please post in the Facebook group episode or a uh, post that I am making to, for today's episode asking about portfolio loans and where to find more information. About we, we have a, a starting place for this as well at biggerpockets.com slash loans. Now, some of those, all of them will essentially be sponsors of Bigger Pockets. So I want to acknowledge that with that, but that that is one place to go. Um, and we can also, um, we should email uh, one of our team members is in charge of the lender program here. Um, we should email email Joe and ask him for some recommendations. Thank you. Um, yeah, I will send you all the information that I find and that people share with me. And then of course you're in our Facebook group. So I'll tag you in that post as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, I think this has been a super fun episode. I've learned a lot. I feel like we've kind of given you that, that different direction to look. You, you know, the, the whole point of the Finance Fridays is to, to kind of have a third party coming in from a different perspective to see, you know, oh, did you think about this? Did you think about this? And uh, definitely a couple of research opportunities, but this was a lot of fun. And now I'm renewed, excited for your Airbnb business. 
that you thank are going to so just crush. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate okay. it. Thank you, awesome. Charlotte. And we'll talk to you soon. Holy cow, Scott. Charlotte from Charlotte has such a fun story. I'm so excited for her uh, growth. Like in the future, 2022 is going to be a huge year for her. What did you think of her show? Yeah, I think she's got some interesting financial decisions to contemplate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, 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 I think I think that, uh, look, I, I, the biggest breakthrough, I think, was she was mentally holding her obviously successful Airbnb business. Again, you know, pending that she actually make, goes in and reviews and feels very comfortable with those numbers. Um, I'm always caveating everything I'm saying by it. Those numbers have to actually be real and believable for on a go forward state. But if that's the case, then she was holding herself back by thinking that she needs to wait for a certain type of financing on that particular um, business with that. And again, that advice or my my sentiments on using alternatives to conventional loans and those types of things would be different if she was saying, I am a full-time employed worker making $56,000 a year and doing this on the side. I think that changes your risk profile. But the fact that she is within driving distance and can operate this and has a number of things that she could probably do um, as stop gaps, and this is this can be her full-time job, makes those other sorts of financing a lot more um, appropriate, in my opinion, especially in the short term as she's building the getting the business off the ground. Yeah, she has a lot of opportunities ahead of her. And I I think you hit the nail on the head. This is the the blocker was this this interest rate. And um I'm excited for her to run the numbers with the mortgage calculator to see just how little of a difference that actually makes. Mm-hmm. Uh Scott, this episode went a little bit long. Should we get out of here? Let's do it. Uh first Ooh, ooh, before we go, let's invite our listeners. Would you like us to look at your finances? Would you like to have a third and I guess a second and third set of eyes on your money and where you're going and how you can get there? Scott and I would love to talk to you. Please fill out the form. Apply at biggerpockets.com slash finance review. Okay, now should we get out of here, Scott? Let's do it. Wow, thanks for your enthusiasm. From episode 256 of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying, catch you on the flip side. reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the bigger pockets community with just a 3.5% down payment you can own up to four different units think about it if you house hack and live in one of the units you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value four different airbnbs medium term rentals or other rental strategies you can try in one property all in just one transaction of course the question is where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.